But I want to try to give you this evening something from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look with me at verse number 11. Whenever you find your place, if you're willing and able, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God this evening. Ephesians chapter number 2, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I hope that you'll uh, stay with me. Keep your Bible open for the message from the Word of God this evening. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. You remember that? Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Brother Barnes got to testifying about when God saved him and he, he lived in that apartment over that bar there and he got to talking about when God saved him. I started thinking to myself, Man, don't preach my message because you know what he was doing? He was going back and he was remembering exactly what God brought him from. And if we was to stop this evening and think just for a moment, go back for just a moment. I remember Brother Danny and Brother David and Miss Sheila singing that song. I like to go back and I remember the times going down the road. I go back in my mind to where God brought me from just in the last few years where I've watched him work in my life and I've watched him take care of things and I've watched him work in miracle, miraculous ways. Hey, there's no way that we could ever praise him enough just for saving us. But he picked us up out of the muck and mire seat we was in, set our feet on the solid rock and established our goings. He said you were in time past. Let us not like that anymore, amen. Look at verse number 13. He said, but now. <laughs> Ain't you glad there's a but now in your life? He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off unto them that were nigh. For through him we, ha we both have access by one spirit, Unto the Father. Look at verse number 19. I've been reading the book of Ephesians for the past week. Seems like it. Man, I just can't get over what verse number 19 says. Look at what he said. He said, now therefore you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Brother Langston was here this evening. He'd say, time out to shout. Time out to shout. Here's the thing about it. I was a stranger and a foreigner. Oh, but June 25th, 2000, the Holy Ghost of God came by where I was at knocked on my heart's door and said Matthew if you'll let me I'll change your citizenship I'll make you a fellow citizen I'll make you a citizen of a heavenly country why because now I'm no more stranger and a foreigner look at what verse number 19 says the last part but fellow citizens with the saints out of the house of God and are built Upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, and ye in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation through the Spirit. Let's pray real quickly. Our dear Father, so we come to your presence to pray. I want to thank you for this day. Thank you so much that you loved me enough to go to a cross.
Lord, you went to a cross and you shed your blood and you died for my sin. Lord, so that that way I don't have to be called a foreigner or a stranger anymore. But Lord, now I can be called a fellow citizen. I've got a citizenship in a heavenly country where I'll never have to die, where I'll get to spend all eternity with you. Lord, where the worm dies, where the where we get to see you for all eternity, where we'll get to worship you and sit around the throne of God and just meet with you. And we'll never have to worry again. We'll never have to worry about the death again. Lord, we'll never have to worry about this life again. Lord, thank you for going to the cross and shedding your blood dying for my sin. Lord, I pray that you'd take this message now. You'd use it for your honor and your glory. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. For it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Lord, save that one that's nearest hell. Bring that backslider back to you. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. For it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Here in Ephesians chapter number two, there's some different things that I want to point out and I want to just give them to you real quickly. I don't have an introduction or anything like that, so I just want to jump right in. But everything that we're going to discuss this evening comes right from the text. But I want to preach on this simple little thought since Jesus came into my heart. We sing the song, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have light in my soul for which long I have sought. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, the second verse goes like this. He said, I have ceased from my wandering and going astray. Since Jesus came into my heart and my sins which were many are all washed away. Since Jesus, came into my heart. Hey, you talk to these different guys in prison and different gals in prison. They say, well, I turned over a new leaf. I want to look at them and a lot of times I do look at them and say, look, you got to change the vine. You got to change the part that you're planted in. You can't worry about the outward appearance till you get the inward appearance took care of. Here's the thing about it this evening. Since Jesus came into my heart, there's some things that's happened. Number one, look at verse number 11 down through verse number 13 we see my position changed see in verse number 11 he said wherefore in time wherefore remember that being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the un, or called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time you were without Christ but look at what verse number 13 says but now in Christ Jesus 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. My position changed. I was without Christ, but now I'm in Christ. We also see I was an alien, but in 2 Peter or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, I've been made part of a holy nation. Hey, I'm no longer a foreigner. I'm no longer a resident alien, if I can put it that way. I'm 
I've been made part of that holy nation. Not only was I an alien, I was also a stranger. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners. Hey, can I remind you this evening, before you got saved by the grace of God, you was a stranger. You was a foreigner. Guess what? We all was. But when Jesus Christ came by our way, knocked on our heart's door and said, you're lost. You're on your way to hell in need of a savior. But if you'll let me, I'll change your position. I'll make you no more a stranger or a foreigner, but I'll make you a fellow citizen. We see not only that, we also see we was without no hope. But in Ephesians chapter four, verse number four, he said there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope. Hey, can I tell you this evening, Paul said it this way, he said, if Christ be not risen from the dead, then you and I are of all being most visible. Why is that, Paul? Because if he didn't get up, you and I have no hope. But I got good news for you this evening. He got up from the grave. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. When I got saved, since Jesus came into my heart, my position changed. Not only that, not only did my position change, but my peace changed. I remember the sleepless nights. See, y'all, y'all know this about me, but I'm gonna tell you anyways. Before I got saved by the grace of God, I was a lost preacher's kid. I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I sat on the front row. I said, hey man, I sang in the choir. I went on visitation. But guess what? There wasn't no peace on the inside. There was a void there. But when Jesus came into my heart, that all changed. My peace changed. Verse number 14 tells us that he's our peace. Hey, I can't imagine, I can't tell you anybody else that I'd rather have my peace than him. He said in verse number 14, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us and all is he our peace. In verse number 15, the Bible says he makes peace. Verse number 15, last part said, so making peace. Hey, guess what? It, where there ain't no peace, guess what he does? He says, you know what? Let me fix this real quick. Let me make peace here. Hey, there wasn't no peace today that I got saved. There wasn't no peace today that you got saved. But you know what he did? He got right in the middle of your life. He said, there ain't no peace there, but hold on just a second. Let me go ahead and make peace in their lives since Jesus came into my heart. My peace changed. Not only that, he not only makes peace, he is my peace. But in verse number 17, he preached peace. The Bible says in verse number 17, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were not. You know what that tells me? He came to where you was. Wherever you was at, whether it was on a bar stool, whether you was in a jail cell or a church pew, he came to where you was. Picked you up by the muck and mire seeing that you was in. Set your feet on a rock and established your goings and put a new song in your mouth and gave you peace that passeth all understanding. Since Jesus came into my heart, my position changed, my peace changed. Number three, look at verse number 18. He said, for through him, we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. 
Not only did my peace change and my position change, but according to verse number 18, my passageway changed. <laughs> you say, preacher, what's so good about this passageway? Well, I got three things I want to give you. Number one, there's an entrance there that nobody else can go through except for me. <laughs> You said, preacher, what's that mean? That means that every woman, red, that means that every woman, boy or girl, red, yellow, black, or white, they can all go in at the same entrance that I can go into. Why? Because it's his entrance. It's not specific to me, although it feels that way. He gave me a new passage. He not only gave me a new passage, but he gave me a new entrance, but he also gave me an exclusive entrance. So preacher, what's me? He said, for broad is the way. Or he said, narrow is the way and straight is the gate which leadeth unto life eternal and few there be the find it. But you know what I did that day, June 25th, 2002? I didn't find it on my own. But he came to where I was and he said, hey son, let me show you something. I got an entrance over here and it's exclusive for you right this very second. If you'll just walk through, I'll change your life for time and for eternity. Hey, this evening it's an exclusive passage. It's an entrance, but not only that, it's an eternal passage. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm saved, secure, forever. I don't have to worry about losing my salvation. I don't have to worry about what I do as far as, as far as what sin can cause me to lose my salvation. Why? Because I'm saved, secure, and forever sealed in him this evening. He said that we're in his hand. He said we're in the Father's hand. Then he goes on to say, he said, I and my father are one. But in Ephesians chapter four, I believe it is, he said that we're sealed unto the day of redemption. You know what that tells me? You couldn't get lost this evening if you wanted to. If you're saved by the grace of God, the day that you got saved, Jesus changed some things in your life and he gave you a passage, but not only that. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says in verse number 19, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Not only my position changed, my peace changed, my passage changed, but number four, my people changed. <laughs> he said, preacher, what do you mean? Three things I was given. A number, number one, I was given a new citizenship. Philippians chapter number three, verse number 24, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Verse number 19, he said, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. I was given a new citizenship. See, before I got saved with the grace of God, Guess what? I was a citizen of this country. And don't misunderstand me this evening. I'm a citizen of the United States of America, and I'm proud of that fact. I wouldn't want to be a citizen of any other country here on this earth. But see, eternally, I've been given a citizenship that was a whole, that's a whole lot different than the other one. You say, well, preacher, where was your citizenship at before? Well, one thing about it, I was on my way to a devil's hell before I got saved. But he said, hold on just a second. Remember, he maketh peace. He said, hold on just a second. He said, I'm not just gonna give you peace, but I'm gonna change your direction. I'm gonna send you towards a heavenly country. I'm gonna send you towards heaven. I'm gonna change your citizenship. Not only that, he gave me a new claim, or he gave me a new, he gave me a new clan in 1st John chapter 5 verse number 2 you say well preacher what's happening he changed the people I hang out with he changed my family see 
Before I got saved by the grace of God, don't misunderstand me. I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But in my heart, in my heart, I could care less. In my heart, I, I didn't really want to go to church. Just, I'm just going to be honest with you. But here's the thing about it. The day that he saved me by the grace of God, I suddenly became aware of all those people that was around me that loved me, that served the same one that I did, that still wanted to do right, that still wanted to live right, that still wanted to go on for God. Why is that? Because Jesus came into my heart, changed my, and he changed me. He gave me a new citizenship, a new claim, and number three, he gave me a new country. Philippians chapter three, verse number 24, our conversation is in heaven. See, here's the thing about it. That word conversation is simply means citizenship there in the text. Here's the thing about it. He gave us a new citizenship there in heaven. He changed not just our citizenship, but he gave us a new country to look forward to. You get over there in the book of Revelation, man, you begin to read about all the different things that God has prepared for us. And then, then the Bible even makes a statement. He said, it hath not entered into the hearts of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Can I tell you this evening, since Jesus came into my heart, he's changed some things. He changed my position. He changed my peace. He changed my passage. He changed my people. But number four, or number five, he changed my place. In verse number 20, the Bible says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Can I give you three things about my place that changed? Number one, he, cha- he made it a stone-based bla- stone place. Say, preacher, what you mean? Well, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, in the last part, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. See, the Bible says the wise man buildeth his house upon the rock. Is that not what he said? You know what he did the day that he saved me? He changed my foundation from that old sinking sand, from what the world had to offer that was eventually going to send me to hell. And he put me on that rock and he established my going. David said he put, he set my feet on a rock and established my going and put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto my God. He, my position this evening, this my place this evening is stone-based. But not only that, look at verse number 21. The Bible says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. You know what? Not only is my place, it's a stone-based place, but it's a sprouting place. It's a growing place. We're not stagnant this evening. Can I be be blunt for just a second? I'm going to pull a New Englander real quick, all right? They're as blunt as all get out. If you don't believe me, I welcome you to come with me, all right? Here in the South, we tell everybody if we think they're an idiot, we we tell them, bless your heart up there. They just tell you that you're an idiot, all right? But here's something about it. If you're still where you was when you got saved, there's something wrong. Because like the other day, I told y'all my garden or our garden needed the water. You know why? Because the growth was starting to slow down a little bit. And if we'd have went to Lowe's and spent all that money, we did a raised bed because we knew we wouldn't have time to till it and everything as much as we're gone. But we went and got some rocks and laid it out and put plastic down, put dirt on top of it. And then we spent all that time and effort putting them plants in the ground. You know, if them things hadn't have grown, number one, I'd been mad. <clears throat> and I'd have dug every one of them up, and I'd took them back to Lowe's and said, I want my money back. You know they got a year warranty on them, don't you? I ain't kidding. You think I'm playing. <laughs> but you know what? You know what I expected them to do when we put them in the ground? 
I expected them to grow. You know what? Whenever you guys say, by the grace of God, you know what he expects us to do? He expects us to grow. Say, preacher, how are we supposed to grow? First Peter chapter 2, verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. Let me tell you how you're going to grow in your Christian life. Have a Bible reading time. Have a prayer life. Have a relationship with him. Can you imagine if we treated God, if we treated our spouse the way we treat God a lot of times? How many of us would still be married? If we treated God the same, or we treated our spouse the same way we treat God. My place changed. It's a stone place place. It's a sprouting place. But number, two, number three, look at verse number 22. The Bible says, In whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. It's not just a stone-based place. It's not just a sprouting place. But number three, it's a spiritual place. You say, Preacher, what are you talking about? You know what I get when I come to the house of God? I get help and I get strength. And you know, one of the, my most favorite things about pastoring was this. I got to watch people grow, Brother David. I got to watch people that come to me and they'd say, now, Brother Matthew, I, I was reading the other day and I found this. What does this mean? Man, that, that thrilled me. I mean, that just, that just did something for me. And to get to talk to them and they'll say, well, you preached this the other day. What did you mean by that? That thrills me. You know why? Because they're wanting to grow. And here's the thing about it. If they're in their Bible, you know what they're doing? They're not just becoming Scripture-filled, but because they're becoming Scripture-filled, they're becoming Spirit-filled. Can I tell you this evening, you'll never be Spirit-filled without being Scripture-filled. But if you're Scripture-filled this evening, chances are you're going to be Spirit-filled. You know why? Because you're desiring that relationship with Him. Let me ask you a question this evening. Miss Sheila, you coming to play the piano this evening. You have a verse of invitation. Let me ask you a question. Since Jesus came into your heart, has there been changes? And let me ask you another question. Maybe you're here this evening and Jesus hasn't come into your heart. There's, in this crowd, there's no doubt that there might be somebody here this evening that Jesus has never come into your heart. Can I ask you a question this evening? What's holding you back? We're standing all over the house, heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you a question this evening. Are you growing? See, Jesus took care of the work that was needed for you there to be a change in your life the day that you got saved. He took care of that. But see, in order for there to be a continual growth process, you know what that takes? That takes work on your part. And if you're, not willing, if you're not putting forth the effort, then guess what you're not doing? You're not growing. You know what you're becoming? You're becoming stagnant. We live by, we live out there on Camp Canaan property and the creek runs through there, so the mosquitoes are horrible. But if we get a good rainstorm like what we had today and we don't go around and anything that can hold water, if we don't go around and dump it out, you know what will happen? that water start breeding mosquitoes. Why? Because it starts getting stagnant. And if you're not growing this evening, you know what you're doing? You're doing nothing more than becoming stagnant in your Christian walk. Let me ask you a question this evening. Are you growing? Jesus already took care of the work that was needed to take care of as far as saving you. But when it comes to this matter of growing, you've got to want to grow. 
You've got to be willing to bloom where you're planted. Can I put it that way? Let me ask you a question. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, let me ask you a question. Would there be one here this evening just by way of an uplifted hand? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do want to pray for you. Preacher, I've never been saved. Jesus has never came into my heart. Would there be anybody like that this evening? Just slip it up take it back down. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, I've never been saved. Preacher, Jesus has never come into my heart. There's not been that change that you talked about. Let me ask you another question this evening. Since Jesus came into your heart, has there been growth? Have you lived right? Have you read your Bible? Have you prayed? Do you have a relationship with him this evening? See, getting saved is wonderful, and I'm thankful today. I'm thankful for June 25th, 2002, the day that I got saved by the grace of God. I'm thankful for that. But if that's all I can go back to, there's a problem somewhere. I'm convinced in this day and time we have more lazy people than any generation before and it's bled over into our churches. People that say they're saved by the grace of God, they don't have a prayer life, they don't have a Bible reading time. You know why? Because we're lazy. We, don't, we say we want to see the great revivals of days gone by, but we don't put forth the effort. You know what those great revivals of days gone by where they were seeing thousands of hundreds of thousands of people getting saved? You know what they took? They took work. They took people being willing to get a hold of God and give up some things of this life and go forward for the honor and the glory of God. Can I ask you a question this evening? They're fixing to sing. Are you growing? Are you growing? Our dear my fathers, we come to your presence to pray. I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity you've given me to stand and preach your word this evening. Lord, there's no doubt in my mind I've preached exactly what you said for me to preach. Lord, I feel like I've done and said everything that you wanted me to say and do this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd take it and you'd use it for your honor and your glory. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray.